Let's just get into it. This is a podcast. <laughs> no, no way. Yeah. <laughs> Did you know that? Surprise. I, I thought, a podcast. I thought this is just where you liked to hang out. In my closet? Yeah. Well, eh, no. <laughs> I don't have any clever comeback for that. Just no. <laughs> just no. That's not a thing you do. Okay. No. But... Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna clam up now that I know that uh, there are listeners. Oh, shit. <laughs> this is gaming in real life. It's a podcast. <laughs> and I'm John. And I'm Gina. <laughs> and this is gaming. John's lost it. <laughs> Gaming in Real Life. It's a podcast about the relationships that gamers have with games. And the ways games facilitate relationships between gamers. Nailed it! Yes. Okay. We're getting so good at this, you guys. We've we've had practice now. We're pretty professional. I know. We're impressive. Uh, Why are we here? (laughs) This will be like our fifth episode. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's five episodes. We're doing it for you. We're experts now. <laughs> We're professionals well, now. We, we have learned some things. We've learned a lot of things, mostly because we fucked up a lot of things. Uh, yes, we. the previous episode we unfortunately had uh, uh, Serious some Serious auto errors. problems. Uh, your husband tried to explain it, and uh, I didn't fully understand his explanation, but the summary was a thing broke. <laughs> yeah, I... <laughs> Man, I wish I had an interest in computers. I'm sure it would make my life easier, but when he talks, it's just like the Peanuts teacher, like, wah, 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 wah. Well, the thing was supposed to do the thing, but it didn't do the thing. So we needed to do the thing to make the thing do the thing, and now it does the thing. Yay! (laughs) Okay, so why are we here? So I thought we might talk a little bit about love and relationships in games, and before I forget... I also wanted to mention something I read on Reddit a few months ago. Somebody posted on the board game subreddit about suggestions for games to play on a first date. And the majority of Redditors seemed to think that it was a bad idea to do that on a first date. And I didn't really agree. I was curious what you think. Uh, it so much depends on who you are dating. Um... But I don't know. (laughs) It wouldn't have been my first choice, but I don't think it's necessarily a deal breaker. I've I've been very successful um, by playing games on a first date. So you have. Yes. Carcassonne. Introducing to somebody to Carcassonne. It's very romantic. Just going to put that out there. (laughs) Into the universe. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. it wouldn't be my go-to, but I also don't think that it's an absolute no. I think it's a be a little bit self, be a little, be a little aware of the person you're with. I guess. I suppose it's a good idea if you bring it up ahead of time. So if you kind of float the idea and see if that person would be interested, and also if you're adding an atmosphere to it, so it was board games 
and burgers. Mm. Like at a local pub. I so see. I feel like if you if you want to incorporate board games in your dates, do it. You know, be a special butterfly. You do you. And it does also seem like if you're gonna pick a board a uh, board game for that, it would be a good idea to choose one that is, of course, good. But also not so demanding that you can't have a conversation. Yeah, fits on a table, is fairly straightforward. Carcassonne immediately comes to mind. Can you think of some other suggestions? <sighs> Splendor? I don't think so, actually. I mean, no. you'll notice when we play Splendor, we don't talk at all. Mm, that's true. It's, I mean, it's, it's, a a sim thinker. it's a simple game, but it is a thinker, for yeah. sure. Jaipur? Jaipur? I, I don't know. It's... Hmm. Hmm. And the now truth I'm talking is, myself out of it. Maybe it's not the best idea for well, first Even game. acknowledging that I think that it's doable, I don't think that it would be my go-to. Maybe not a first date. Maybe, maybe a, a second, second or date. a third date. Yeah. Yeah. And then, because... But then you've established that the person does want to spend time with you. Hopefully you've established that you have some common interests. And then you can gauge their processing speed, which is very romantic. <laughs> That's what we all look for in a partner. Well, it's not <laughs> irrelevant. No. And there is also the point, you know, uh, being a gamer often among people who aren't as enthusiastic about games, I'm constantly looking for, what are the times I can manipulate people into doing this? Sure. And so if you have someone who's already committed to trying to impress you and trying to, you know, trying to show that they're they're cool, that they're somebody you'd want to know, that is a time when you could get somebody to maybe get out of their comfort zone and try something like this. And it can be exciting to try something new, and I think on perhaps a second or third date, that does make a little more sense to me, uh, giving you the opportunity to teach somebody something, have the other person try something new, can be a real advantage of bringing a board game to a date. Well, and I think by then, it will probably have just come up anyway, because, you know, presumably, if you're listening to a podcast like this, you will have mentioned to your date. Or you're lost. <laughs> you could just be lost listening to this podcast. How did I get here? Welcome, if, if, you, were, uh, if you were looking for All Things Considered. All Things Considered is also an excellent podcast, but it's not we're, about board games, so therefore it's a part. No, we're pretty great, too. Stay with us. <laughs> Please. Uh, <laughs> no, but presumably it, presumably, you will have mentioned your board game hobby, and that will be a good time to, you know, if your partner's like, oh, I'd love to learn, you know, if the person you're with, rather, is, see, I've been in a committed relationship for too long, I can't even think about what dating is. We both have been. We're just old, married people. <laughs> No, but if the person you're with is... Yeah, so really, why are you coming to us for dating advice? Yeah. But... We, 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 we did it already. <laughs> We're done. Yeah, I kind of... It, it is one of those things, like, I feel like I already kind of won dating. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I can retire from that game. No, but yeah, presumably you've brought up that you're interested in dating, and, you know, if the person was dating. like... <laughs> We're going to cut that. Hopefully. Hopefully everyone is consented. <laughs> Okay, I know, I think we have to keep this part. I think our <laughs> listeners need to know that consent is very important oh in your dating life. I've had a long day, I'm so sorry. Um, the... 
Presumably, you've mentioned that you are interested in board games, and at that point, your date will either have been like, oh, I don't like the games very much, in which case, don't play them. Or don't or, date them. Or, yeah, really don't date them. Do you <laughs> want that kind of negativity in your life? No. Or, you know, if they're like, oh, that's interesting. I'd love to learn more about that. That's when you're like, well... Love letter. Here's love letter. Which is also a love-themed game. It is, and it's the cutest game. I know. I really... I have, like, the classic version, just in a little velvet pouch with the cards and the red square blocks, but I really want the little hearts. Oh, yeah. There's a, another version of the game that includes little hearts instead, and that just sounds cuter. I opted for the Adventure Time version because I love Adventure Time. Yeah, uh, I think choice. it's I think it's also kind of it's a little bit more interesting that in the original love letter the problem is that the princess is very shy and proper so it's very hard to convince her to go on a date in um, patriarchy yeah, yeah right well in Adventure Time the problem is that Princess Bubblegum who is the main love interest in the game is far too busy doing to science to bother. That's awesome. That's so much more awesome. That's uh, amazing. You know what there should be is a Bravest Warriors love letter. If only. You know, I, they have made a couple of Bravest Warriors games, and none of them looks good. That's too bad. Bravest Warriors. Yeah, good, good stuff. Good yeah. stuff, though. Um, love letter. Should we explain... <laughs> Oh, yeah, maybe we should actually tell you about the game. It's a very popular about. game, but on the off chance that you don't know it, Love Letter is a very small game, comes in a pouch that consists of 15 cards and a couple of tokens. Japanese minigame for the win. Absolutely. It, it, it's small, it is fast, it is easy to teach, it's family-friendly, uh, date-friendly, we've decided. Um, but it's, it's good. It's just, it's simple. It's not like the deepest game you'll ever play mm -hmm. just kind of a light deduction game yeah but it's it's just it's just nice it's pleasant it's yeah. a very pleasant game to play it is a game that you can maintain a conversation while you're Certainly. playing well and a lot of people so i feel like people will say of far worse games like yeah i know it's not that good of a game but i'm only just playing it to hang out with my friends so it doesn't really matter what the game is I would argue that Love Letter is a good game yeah. that fits that criteria. I agree. I, I, life's too short for crappy games. No, don't play them. You don't have to. You don't have to play bad games. Just play good ones. Is this going to be our theme where we're like, "You're better than this. <laughs> you deserve good games. You deserve to play good games." Just some like ASMR kind of like maybe not. Was that. that we're just like, we, we speak really quietly and saying, like, nice things. Like, you deserve good board games. I like, I like that, though. That could be, that could be a thing we say. Mm, yeah. Oh, you know, in our, in our corrupted episode, I think that's when we introduced uh, one of our other sayings. What was that? It was the, the, the wiener effect. Oh, yes. Oh, okay. So this is an, an excellent time to mention something that we have invented, or term that we have invented. 
It fits perfectly into this conversation. Good segue, John. Does it fit? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to leave it to you to connect it, because I don't quite remember, but go on. No. Okay. <laughs> so we, we are trying to come up with a phrase for people who continue to play bad games, to make the same mistake in continuing to make bad, play bad games. Yes, this was, um, it, it really, what made me think of it in particular was, I, I've had a, I've had a couple of situations like this where, uh, I was with, I would play with a group of people who, they had like two or three games that they would play, they weren't very good, they'd gotten old, but nobody would learn any other games because it was just easier to play a so-so game or even sometimes a bad game than it was to learn a new one. And we have termed this the Wiener Effect. And why is it called the Wiener Effect? It's for many reasons, <laughs> obviously, but primarily it is named after Anthony Wiener. Because that guy never learns. He does not learn. He doesn't learn. <laughs> and it also applies on another level because uh, there are still a lot of men who share pictures of their penises. And that's never, never a great idea unless someone has asked for it. Just yeah. putting that out there. I, th this is worth mentioning. Yeah, if, if, you're trying to, if you're trying to romance someone, don't send them a picture of your dick. Unless they ask for unless it. Unless they want it. Yeah. Then, then... Go ahead. Then it is the perfect romantic gesture. Exactly. Okay. So, moving on from the wiener effect, moving. I thought we could briefly talk about the relationships that we have with our spouses and games. Because... <laughs> Completely think, unrelated to the wiener effect. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, th I think we have kind of different styles when it comes to playing games with our spouses. How do you mean? Well... My husband and I are very competitive mm -hmm. when we play together. I think there are usually two kinds of couples in games. They're the people, like my husband and I, who are very cutthroat, always picking on each other. Uh, especially my husband likes to pick on me a little much. Uh, that you know, he does. I tell him he has to sleep on the couch. <laughs> we all laugh. It's fine. <laughs> um, and then there are the couples who are like, Oh, Pookie Bear, I could never you know, attack you with my laser stick, I'm gonna attack somebody else. Tee hee hee hee. <laughs> I I'm gonna I'm gonna make a blanket statement. Don't be that person. Sarah and I don't do that, do we? No. Okay. No, definitely not. And I think you can be a little kinder perhaps <laughs> than my husband and I are. You know, we're we just have different styles. Every now and again she turns on me. That's true. But I don't I don't generally feel like game nights with large groups of people are good places to remind people of the fact that you're having sex. Nor is it a good time to hash out your personal stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a good time to take out your aggression against your, uh, your, your partner either. Yeah, don't kill the game night. Don't kill the game night with your relationship. Don't, don't do that. Don't, don't kill the game night. And are you and Austin like that when you play games by yourselves as well? Oh yeah, we're very competitive. Mm. I think we're both just kind of strong personalities, in case you couldn't tell. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, we enjoy the competition. It's part of what we enjoy about games. Mm -hmm. And 
we don't really hold very many grudges, except for the first time we played Power Grid, which we will not talk about again. <laughs> still angry. We did, we did mention that, didn't still we? Still angry about we that. We have been playing Power Grid a lot. So yeah, it's, I've, I've moved on. <laughs> it's okay now. But the first time I played Power Grid, oh, I, it's kind of like when you have a dream about your partner or spouse and they're a jerk in that dream and then you wake up and you're still like, <laughs> a little pissed off at them and you know it's not reasonable. It is true because somebody beating up on you in game is about as minimal of an offense as you can commit against a person yeah. and yet, yet, man, can it carry over. Yeah, but he never really has to sleep on the couch. It's always in, it's always in good fun. Um, and sometimes it's a challenge because my husband and I do have different gaming styles. And mm -hmm. so I feel like I've tried different things over the past couple years that I've been involved in games to incorporate his interests and to make sure that we can both enjoy my hobby. But he's never going to be as crazy as I am about games. I, th I think that's fair to say. It is absolutely fair to say. And you do both have pretty different tastes. Yeah. Sometimes I buy games really for him. Sometimes I pick out things such as Dogs of War, which is a war game. I'm not usually super into war games, but it seemed like a war game that I could enjoy. And um, it seemed like something he would really enjoy because he's all about the war games. Mm hmm haven't played it yet because it's sitting on my shelf, but I'm going to get to it soon. <laughs> I have... The, the the lost episode was actually about getting things to the table that are in our collection that we haven't played yet, and I'm hoping to get better about that. But by the way that I've bought games, I often have to buy several at a time in order to get free shipping from wonderful sites like Miniature Market. And... That also can give me an opportunity to pick up things that my spouse will enjoy, but it means that sometimes things sit for a little while because you can only get excited about so many things in one night. There's only so much time. Yes. But we're going to pull out Dog's War because I really think Austin will enjoy it. I would be curious to try it. Yeah, and you know, there are figures included in the box with fancy hats. And I feel like there's not enough fancy hats in board gaming. Designers, if you're listening. Yeah. More fancy hats, please. More hats, please. Yeah, just in general. <laughs> in life. In life, there should be more hats. What games have been the best for you and Austin to just play together? Like, alone? One-on-one? -on -one? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I mean, we have enjoyed Jaipur. Jaipur is a really fun game. You Sa want to introduce Sarah that? and I have enjoyed that one very much as well. Jaipur is a game about trading goods. And so each player has a hand of cards and in the center is just a number of cards with different kinds of goods on them. Mm -hmm. And you just take, you trade cards in your hand with cards in the market, which on the one hand, that way you can assemble combos of cards in your hands that you can play for points, but on the other hand, uh, anything you put onto the market is a card that your opponent can then pick up, so playing around that is a really interesting puzzle. But on top of that, every good in the game is worth a lot at first, and then the value diminishes the more of it gets sold, so that just kind of adds 
it adds a little risk reward to it. It gives you ways that you can kind of manipulate what your opponents can do. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, if you sell more of something at a time, it becomes worth points. Uh, I, I don't know if I don't know if I can communicate why this game is so good. It's just, the game is very simple. It's very easy to see what you can do in it. Yeah. But it ends up being this really interesting puzzle, both in terms of just mathematically where you're able to earn points, but also in that you really have to predict what your opponent's going to try to do. And it incorporates camels, which I feel like has been a trend in the past year. I've seen more camel, camel themed games. games. I have. I, I do okay, enjoy man, camel up. There's a there's a most cam there's a most camels bonus at the end of the game, which is fun. Exactly. And I also really enjoy that instead of playing for victory points, you play for seals of excellence. Mm, exactly. And another great thing about that game is you can fit it on a table if you go out to a restaurant. I've certainly brought... We, I mean, we've played Jaipur at a restaurant. We did. But another thing that comes to mind is Hive, which is a game I've taken to a cafe, and while we wait for our food to come out, we've played a short round of Hive Pocket. Sarah and I have uh, done the exact same game in the exact same setting. Uh, this is one that people have sometimes come up to us and asked us what we were playing. Mm -hmm. uh, Hive is essentially bug chess. It is. I would argue better than chess. I certainly enjoy it more. I I feel like it's a different game than chess. Um, it doesn't require you to memorize moves in order to be a really strong player no. in the same way. But it does incorporate a lot of elements of trying to predict your partner's or your, your opponent's moves a couple moves ahead. Mm-hmm. Well, and also just moves are, it's very much a game about logical thinking, even though it's played out spatially. Uh, with any number of pieces on the board, there are a finite number of possible moves. There is usually a right way to play. But the game gives you a lot of ways to counter your opponent's moves and to cleverly trap your opponents if they don't see the thing that you see. So. Yeah, I, that's one thing I really love about that game, is it does really feel like you are creating a trap, which for a bug-themed game seems very appropriate. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's do, just, it's when, just really good. If you do want to play a two-person game that incorporates something closer to chess, I would really recommend Nightmare Chess, or perhaps The Duke. Those uh, are both similar as well. Have you had a chance to play Nightmare Chess yet? I have, yeah. And what did you think? Well, on the one hand I've only played it twice and it's really designed for you to be able to create your own deck and to play with it so I've not really taken full advantage of that. Mm -hmm. um, Nightmare Chess is a game that where you're drawing cards that changes the game as you're playing it so it can change um, the way that you capture pieces, the kinds of moves that your pieces have. It's full of surprises, and it's a game with a lot of replayability, I would expect, because you could play it in so many different ways with different decks, but even just playing it once, I feel like it just 
adds a lot of madness and chaos to chess, which is kind of fun. It's one that I'd very much like to try. I think it would actually, I would be very interested to play it against you, because yeah. I'm more of a card gamer, but I think you're much better at spatial thinking than I am. And so it would be kind of an interesting... Mm, a good battle. Yeah. And yet I cannot, for the life of me, ever find my way around town without, like, super GPS help. Huh. I don't know why. I delivered pizza for a long time, so that's how I... Before, before that, I couldn't have done it. Yeah. Well, I would say between the Duke and Nightmare Chess, my personal favorite is the Duke. The Duke is, I think, the Duke is just a really well-designed game. It is. It's a, a game that incorporates squares that are like chess pieces. So it's played on a grid. Exactly. But the pieces move differently than in a traditional chess game. And every time that you move a piece, you flip it over and the piece moves in a different way. It, on top of each piece is a guide to how that piece moves. And each piece is double-sided, you see. Mm -hmm. So... And it's weird, because you have to actually memorize what each piece's other side is, and if you forget, it can be devastating. But then on top of that, it does a thing that I really like, which is uh, you actually just start out with your duke on the board, mm -hmm. and you can either... Uh, Hive is another game that does this, and I think it's just a really good system. Yeah. Uh, you on your turn, have the option of either... Moving a piece already on your board. Or drawing a piece. Exactly. But in the Duke, you draw a random piece. And I love this, because it's still... I mean, nobody could argue about whether or not this is a game of skill, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but the fact that there's this random element, there's this element that you can't plan around, still forces you to improvise and find your way into strange situations. And that is great. That's something that ensures that the game is going to stay interesting for a long time. There's so many surprises in the Duke. That's what I really love about it. And that's included in Nightmare Chess, but the flexibility that I'm forced to have in the Duke is just something I, I enjoy a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, honestly, the Duke is one of my favorite heavy logic games, but it doesn't feel heavy when you play it because there's so many surprises. Um, it feels heavy when I play it. Well, it doesn't feel heavy as chess. Uh, that's true. Well, I mean, and this is, I think, the problem with a game like chess, is that, well, nobody could argue that chess isn't a game that is fascinating and well worth your while to study, if for no other reason than just for the joy of finding out how this system that's been around for ages works. Mm -hmm. But there is something to be said for a game that forces the same kind of decision-making that you can't just memorize. Yeah, and chess is a commitment. I keep bringing that up when it comes to um, these games like Netrunner or, or other games that you can study and play over and over and over again. I'm just more polyamorous with my games. Mm -hmm. And I enjoy switching it up very frequently. And so something like the Duke still allows me to enjoy the things that I love about chess without feeling that I'm not taking full advantage because I'm not memorizing moves and playing every week. 
that makes a lot of sense. Um, that is something I've noticed. Uh, yeah, now that you mention it, you do. It does seem like you'd rather not play the same game twice in a row. Yeah. If you can avoid it. Yeah, I mean, I have my favorites games that I'm happy to pull out more often, but I, I love being able to try something new every week. That's what's fun for me about games in a lot of ways. And my husband is very different, which can be a challenge because every week he wants to play the same games over and over and over again. He does. He, he to an extreme, would like to just pick one game and just play it over and over again until he understands everything about it. Suburbia and Small World. <laughs> yeah. those, are, those are the two. Yeah. He's, yeah, very specific interests. Um, so that's a compromise, too. Relationships are about compromise. Yeah, There's they your are. platitude of the week. <laughs> relationship that you have with Sarah and gaming? Um, so, well, okay. I was I was going to say that she is not into uh, games as much as I have, although she got really angry at me. I would say that. <laughs> she got she a little miffed. annoyed. She got, uh, yeah. Miffed. She got miffed with me because I apparently made it sound like she didn't like games at all, and that's not true. Mm -mm. She likes games the normal amounts. Yes. Uh, but, as evidence, she would like me to point out that the two of us, uh, one of the two games that we play together and have enjoyed the most together is Mage Knight, the board game. Uh, That's love. Which, you know, if, if you follow hobby gaming, you're already thinking, wow, that's, yeah, that's, that's a big one. That's heavy. That's a heavy, heavy game. It takes a lot of trust, I think, for somebody to put out Mage Knight, which is such an... <laughs> A complex and intimidating game out of the box, and to give it a shot, and and Sarah's really loves it. We so. just played. We just played it last Friday, and I was the whole time I was thinking, "Oh my god, there are so many pieces." Yeah. Um. Yeah. Mage Knight, if you don't know, is uh, it's a it's a Vladish bottle Vlada. game. We we. We, we love, love you, Vlada. Vlada. Oh, oh yes, we do. We love you, Vlada, and we'll be true. So it's a Vlada Shavalo game. It's a high. We're not gonna acknowledge that singing at all. Keep going. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> that was totally spontaneous. We didn't plan it at all. We have been drinking. <laughs> um, it's it's a it's a high fantasy adventure game. You play sort of this, you know, this badass in armor with a sword. Um, and you are just roaming around the countryside killing orcs and dragons and As you do. Um, stealing treasure from monasteries and mm -hmm. conquering keeps and eventually you have to fight a castle and at the end of the game it's just how famous did you get for all the stuff you did. I'm so jealous that you have this game and that you get to play it. I don't own it and you didn't invite me to play with you and I feel like you cheated on me in board game land with because my wife yes <laughs> i you knew i wanted to play mage knight i didn't know you wanted to play it then i, I always <laughs> wanted to play mage knight uh well, you know i'll play it yeah. you know you know that i will pretty much play it whenever yeah. so next time you're playing mage knight <laughs> I, I want an invitation uh yeah okay done <laughs>
We okay. will we will make that happen. Glad we settled that. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I wondered whether or not I honestly do wonder whether or not you'll like it. Ooh, but it's a Vlada game. But it's also a very heavy fighting game. Oh. Like fighting is the primary way you interact with this world. Well, it is a wizard though. That is true. It's, it's magic fighting. Yeah. Magic fighting is cooler than fighting with swords. Undeniably. Yeah. The thing is, I, I don't even know where to begin with what makes this game so difficult. I mean, it's a one of the things that's typical of Vlada games is, I, I'd swear just Vladishvadal does not make, he never takes a game mechanic for granted. A lot of people, when they design games, they will kind of just do variations on what's already been done. I don't think he does that. I think he just starts everything from scratch. I think he's perfect. Nothing in his games works like anything you've played before. And his rule books are so much fun to read because everything is given a reason and a purpose and an explanation that fits into the environment and the world he's created in these games. Well, and it lets him get away with these very complicated games where really, I mean, there's a lot of stuff to keep track of. There are a lot of different strategic considerations, but they're not arbitrary, nor do they seem like they were just purely thrown in for balancing. Uh, I don't even think he's thought about that. I think it really is just, oh yeah, that's how the world would work. I think this podcast is turning into how much we love Lada. <laughs> but it is also the most complicated game that I own. And it is, I think Sarah's really the only person I've gotten to play it with me. Yeah. Uh, but she really likes it. Do you feel like you and Sarah have different gaming styles? I think she much prefers lighter games where the path to victory is very linear. Okay. I much prefer... I'm not going to say I necessarily like my game. I, I like games that are heavy, but I don't like them because they're heavy. Mm-hmm. But I do like games that are immersive, and the, the, more of an, the more elaborate the world you're depicting, of course, the more rules you're going to end up with. I just... Sure. I don't think there's a way around that. And I think also I like games that have a lot of options because, to me, gaming is as much about getting to express myself as it is about just playing the game. And so it actually, you know, it does kind of bum me out that in Hive I we're both going to be playing the same pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in something like Mage Knight, I get to kind of decide what, kind of wizard would I be mm. and I'm going to play it I'm going to become that wizard I, we did have an interesting conversation about this though because I was try, I was just racking my brains trying to figure out why Sarah did like that game and what she told me was that other games that we've played where there are just lots of different options, lots of different paths to victory, she's just she doesn't quite see what you're supposed to do you know there are so many options that it's just not clear how you're supposed to interact with this world. I feel like I can be in that same space, though. Sometimes I'm just overwhelmed by how the, how many choices I have, and I just am like, oh, this seems like a good choice, and I just shove into it. Just go for it. Right. But I think it's even worse when it's not just when the points in action gives you aren't 
self-evident. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, the more, if I just take this action and gain these points, it's easy to understand what I'm doing. Whereas if I need to do this thing, which allows me to do this thing, which allows me to do this thing, which allows me to do this thing, which will eventually be worth points, mm -hmm. then there's just so... It, it, what you're doing now is so removed from where you're trying to get to that it can just feel aimless. So the delayed gratification just isn't her favorite mechanic. Well, I think it's just that she has uh, she has a little bit... Uh, she's not super well rehearsed at seeing how she's going to get there. And I think whereas... Since we're both motivated to play these games in the first place, mm -hmm. we're just willing to, we're willing to see it out. Whereas mm -hmm. with her, it's kind of like, eh. So it could just be that she's not exposed to these mechanics in the same way as we are, having played a lot more games. She, and perhaps with time, she would enjoy that a little more. Well, with a little bit of practice, she has come around to games that are a little bit more counterintuitive. I was going to say of Mage Knight, the thing that she liked about it, apparently, was even though the game itself is difficult and there are a lot of rules, she was always pretty clear on what you have to do. The is there a thing are. there? Kill it. <laughs> That's Now, how to kill it is a puzzle, but you know what, at least you know what the goal is. Okay. That's probably a big part of why fighting games are so popular. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Why do you think it's important to play games with your partner? Why don't we just play with each other? Um, well, because these games are incredibly important to me. Yeah. They, they've been with me since I was quite young. I've grown up with them. I've really built a lot of my identity around them. They're things that they are some of the primary ways that I've connected to people who are most important to me. Yeah. It just, it almost seems self-evident that I would want to share that with the person I love the most, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I feel like it's just part of knowing me. That's a really good way to put it. I mean... Certainly I've talked about the competitive aspects that I can enjoy with my partner when it comes to gaming, but also there have been experience that we've had, experiences that we've had that have been more collaborative mm -hmm. and have really brought us closer together. Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective really comes to mind here. Mm -hmm. Sherlock Holmes is um, a really wonderful game where you're reading clues and you're trying to solve mysteries. And it isn't a game with a lot of replayability. There are ten scenarios, and once you've gone through those scenarios, you have seen basically all the answers to the puzzles, so it's time to pass it along, let somebody else enjoy it. But it's a game that my husband and I have played together. It's not something we've actually played with other people. It was the first game that he bought me from the more current, you know, golden age of board games. He started watching Shut Up and Sit Down videos before I did and passed them along to me because he knew that I would enjoy them. I always forget that. Yeah, because it's funny because I just devoured all of the videos that were out there immediately mm -hmm. that weekend after I saw them. Um, and even though I'd, I'd enjoyed and played a lot of games before that, um, it really reignited my love of board games and to solve a mystery 
quickly with my husband was a really wonderful way to connect and so I have a really s sweet spot in my heart for that particular game. I can see why. Yeah. Well, I think Sarah and I have had some, uh, I, I think we've had uh, experiences like that playing Mansions of Madness together as well, which I'm not going to talk about because we already discussed it at length in a previous episode. But suffice it to say, it is a cooperative game where we're both trying to take on the forces of evil and a Lovecraftian horror place. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think those are, those are times when, uh, yeah, those are times when it feels like we're just doing something very nice together, we're on the same team, we're both looking out for each other, Th those can be quite fun. Yeah. But I do also think there are times when we've played competitive games. It, it's always a little dicey, because the thing is, again, the fact that, you know, pretty most of my games I know better than her, it's always, I don't want to get too competitive, because past a certain point I'm just lording it over her that I know the game better. Yeah. So, and I don't want to do that, that's not going to be fun for her, and it's certainly not going to make me feel like a big man, that, you know, I can beat a novice at a game I've played a bunch. Yeah. Um, but when we do find ourselves on even footing, we can get a little competitive and taunt each other a little bit, and it's fun, and we smooch afterwards, and, you know. <laughs> but it, it adds just, it injects a little bit of thrill into, into the evening. Yeah. So, yeah, it can be quite nice. I'm really looking forward to the time that I can play Catacombs with Austin, because... It's a game that's asymmetrical, so one person... It's a, it's actually a physical game. Mm -hmm. Have we talked about Catacombs yet? I don't know that we have. It's quite good. How have we not talked about Catacombs? Talk about okay. Catacombs. <laughs> catacombs is the shit. And <laughs> it's a physical game that involves uh, a dungeon crawl, essentially. But you're flicking little... What do you call them? Pucks? Yeah, like little, little wooden, wooden discs. discs, yes. You're flicking little wooden discs uh, at monsters in the dungeon, and it's an asymmetrical game. So some people are playing as the heroes in the dungeon, and one person is playing as the dungeon monsters. So I'm really looking forward to the day that I can play that game with Austin, and we can battle in the dungeon together, mm -hmm. the monsters, and, um, you know, it's a silly game, but it's also incredibly rewarding when you just get a really good hit, and you kill the monster first time, and you celebrate. It's the perfect game to play with a beer, you know, on a Saturday, and just feel like a badass. One of the best things I've come to feel that a cooperative game can do is if a cooperative game can make everybody interested in one or two turns, where if the turn goes well, everybody cheers, or if the turn goes poorly, everybody groans. Yeah. Those are the best moments you can have when you're playing co-op games, and I think Catacombs absolutely has that. When you... Because, I, you know, yeah, if I want to attack you, I take the puck that represents my piece, and I have to just run into you. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, a turn where, like, I run into a skeleton, ricochet off the skeleton, and hit the boss for the kill. That's what could be more glorious. <laughs> dreams are made of. Who wouldn't want to share that with the person they love? And then you get to, on top of that, you get the fun of imagining how would that have actually played out in a fight? <laughs> yes. It's 
it, it is one of these game. It is one of these games where I think part of the humor is just the fight is ridiculous. If you try to actually picture it, it is ridiculous. But that is certainly what makes it great. Yeah, co-op game. Uh, yeah, co-op games can be great for couples. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I should mention that I'm not sure if Catacombs is as easy to acquire right now. I did pick up a copy on Amazon, but I believe that there's going to be another Kickstarter print of it in the near future. So. It's It'll come around. Games like that always do. It's a quality game. If it's back on Kickstarter, we'll try to let you know and be sure to snatch it up because it may be my favorite physical game. It's... It's certainly a slightly heavier physical game. Generally, when I think of physical games, I think of something that's quick and dirty and, you know, something to play for 10, 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. And this will easily last you, you know, two hours, but you'll love every second of it. Well, I, I think it is heavy in the sense that there needs to be one player at the table who understands all of the rules. Yeah. But as a player who's not, like, the moderator for the game, I really, all I need to know is just, flick. what do I flick into what? Exactly. It's not heavy in the sense that it's very complicated, it's just a bit long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, but it's good. It's great. We need to play it again soon. Most definitely. There's so many well, games we need to play soon. Sounds like there's another game that coming up, so... All the time. Always. It's constant. It is. It, yeah, we just live from game night to game night. So. It's true. But there will be a particular challenge playing catacombs in my house. We may have to lock the cats in the bedroom. Ooh, yeah. It, oh, my gosh. A Ajax would be all over those moving pieces. Yeah. Ajax, uh, if you've not seen our cover art from the podcast, is our mascot. And uh, he's my kitten and he really loves to be involved in the game nights but usually that involves pawing a lot of the pieces uh if you follow us on instagram <laughs> uh, at gaming in real life podcast on instagram you can see lots of photos of him at our game nights attacking our games what else what else could you want <laughs> there nothing. Are some pretty great pictures nothing is the answer were also there. Uh, yeah. The four of us played a game of For Sale. How did that go? Poorly. Very poorly. <laughs> and I still don't understand why. Why both of our spouses didn't enjoy that game. It was weird yeah. how much they didn't like it. Hey, it baffles me. <laughs> um, you know, in the beginning, I think the, the rules were a little lost because it it's kind of unusual. Um, it, it is an odd one. For yeah. sale is an auction game. There's a phase where you spend coins to auction for properties. Exactly. And then the idea is then you then you sell those properties back for money. And it's just a really simple card game. It plays in like 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. But 
They were what? a little confused by it in the beginning, I think, because we don't play a lot of auction games. Mm -hmm. And we hadn't played it before. Mm -hmm. um, but they didn't like it, and I don't know why. But there was just such negativity from the very beginning. Maybe maybe our spouses just don't like auction games. I don't know. Have we played other auction games with them? Well, Austin freaking loves Power Grid. Which has an auction component. It, do it does. Um, Power Grid is an intense game. I know that we've mentioned it in the past. But for sale, I don't, I'm not sure why. It just didn't go over. I, I, can't, I, I can't explain it. Please, please, please tell me why. <laughs> yeah, I don't why, know. Why, Georgia, why? <laughs> yeah, I have Maybe. no idea. Uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes we just bring out games that our, our partners don't fall in love with either. Well, I mean, I can tell you about... Uh, there have been times where just inexplicably games bomb. Uh, one game, so, uh, one of my very favorite styles of game are customizable card games, um, games such as, games such as, uh, Netrunner, the Game of Thrones card game, uh, Ashes, Rise of the Phoenixborn, I mean, those are, I grew up playing Magic the Gathering, so that's a big part of how I got into games. But, so I really wanted to find one of these games that I could share with uh, Sarah. And I really thought Lord of the Rings, which is a cooperative uh, game in this style. So you still, you buy cards, you build customized decks out of them, but then you use them to go on these cooperative event adventures against sort of an AI deck that throws monsters and challenges at you. Uh, I thought it was pretty good, and Sarah likes Lord of the Rings. Um, we tend to do pretty well with cooperative decks. And she assured me that she liked the game. But when we played, she would do dishes on my turn. I know, right? It's yeah. like, it's like so you, you can tell me all you want that you like the game, but I saw what I saw. Yeah. <laughs> something just doesn't click for you and mm -hmm. or not not in the sense that you don't understand the game but it just doesn't appeal to you it's like me on transportation themed games i just i feel like i'm never going to really love that particular theme and it's going to make it hard for me to connect with a game that otherwise could be great but the thing is, before that, uh, we had, for a long time, really enjoyed playing Thunderstone together, which is a deck-building game that's all about going into a dungeon and killing the kind of monsters that you would kill in a dungeon. She would always be like, can we, can we play the Killing Orcs game? <laughs> <laughs> and so I kind of thought that, you know, going off after her enjoying that game, that Lord of the Rings wouldn't be that much of a stretch. I don't know. And then, you know, after that, she picks up Mage Knight and loves it, so... Why can't we just control our partners? We can do everything we want. <laughs> well, and that's the weird... Because we... This is actually something... You had mentioned earlier with Dogs of War that you sometimes buy games for Austin, and I certainly do the same thing. I mean, 
what especially if I'm looking for a game that I think will play well at two players, I've, the question I've always got to ask myself is, will Sarah play it with me? Mm -hmm. And if I think she'll play it with me, I'll get it, because I love things that we can play together. And if she won't play it with me, I won't get it, because who would? Um, yeah. But... The thing is, I can. There are things I know about Sarah's taste in games. I know that she likes not too heavy. She she would like things that can wrap up in usually under an hour, and she really seems to like killing things. Okay, there you go. She she seems to get the most giddy when she can kill something. Um, it's kind of adorable and a creepy. What? <laughs> I don't. I don't quite know. I guess I hadn't really thought about it, but it's actually kind of weird. But Austin really <laughs> likes games where your skill is directly reflected in how well you perform in the game. Mm -hmm. uh, he does enjoy a war game or like a territory kind of control game um, mm -hmm. in particular. Uh, I like those games as well. Yeah, I guess we both have partners who enjoy a, an aggressive game in general. But the, the yeah, the, the thing that I'm stuck on is I can know all of those things about things that Sarah has tended to like, and still, sometimes you'll get a game that it seems to me just fits perfectly in all of those categories, and it just bombs. And I think this is the... I, I think this is kind of the weird thing about trying to buy games that your spouse will like is you can know somebody so well and they'll still have little quirks, little bumps in their processing that just completely catch you off guard and just totally change the way they view something. Well, isn't that part of what's nice about being in a long-term relationship is the chance that they can still surprise you? In that moment, no. Well, <laughs> but, I mean, it, it, it goes both ways. Because I, I know I've been harping on this for a long time, but, guys, you have no idea how complicated Mage Knight is. I would just never have guessed in a million years that that would be the heavy game we would have in common. It is the most complicated game I own. I'm not exaggerating. Yeah. But, yeah. So, that was a, that was a good surprise. There's no accounting for taste. I mean, people... Yeah, people surprise you. I just feel like my strategy has been to buy and play a lot of games and figure out what Austin enjoys. Because even something like Suburbia, I wouldn't necessarily have thought on paper that Austin would be so passionate about that game to want to play it every damn Saturday. Don't get me wrong. I love Suburbia. It's a wonderful tile-laying game. You get to build a city. But he likes to play it a lot. Yeah, I, I feel you. I feel like I would get burnt out. I, I, I love the game, but I think I would get burnt out on it if I wanted to play it as often as Austin. I would get burnt out if... on any game. I would get burnt out on Happy Salmon if we played it every single week. <laughs> well, maybe not. Well, I don't know. I feel like I compartmentalize in that case because I've got Netrunner that I play every week and I don't get tired of it. It's just so absolutely wonderful. But, I mean, I think that's balanced out by the fact that I still have... I mean, first of all, this is Netrunner. This is a this is a customizable card game, like I was talking about. This is um, a game that new cards are constantly coming out, so the game is always changing. Mm. But then on top of that, that's my Tuesday. 
weekends we play something totally different. So I've still got a dose of novelty coming in. Well, what would be your advice to someone who's marrying a non-board gaming fan? Or who's in a relationship with someone who does <laughs> not enjoy board games? Not at all. Don't... <laughs> don't marry them. <laughs> don't force the issue. I, I, like, honestly, if you are seriously with someone who just does not like games at all, then you'll, of course, need to negotiate out, like, hey, I, I get it, you know, unless we're real busy, I get a game night every week. Um, but don't make them do it if that's the case, because that's not gonna be good for anybody. I think... There are some, you know, because even Sarah will play games with me, but there are plenty of games that I can't play with her, and that's got to be fine. I've just got to find other chances to play those games. What's well, in with me and Austin? I mean, especially word games. Austin really doesn't enjoy word games. Right. I freaking love word games. Boggle is my jam. Boggle's a classic game where you shake up a big box of letters and you have to write down as many words as you can in, uh, you know, two minutes. I don't know how much that sand timer is, but I love it. Austin will not play Boggle with me, and I just have to accept that. You would absolutely wreck me about that. <laughs> I, I, I love Boggle. I, my mother is a Scrabble champion. Uh-huh. So much so that I will not play Scrabble with her because she has memorized all the two and three letter words, which is not fun, Mom. <laughs> you're, not, you're not listening to this podcast, but I'm just going to put that out there. It's not fun. Uh, so I, I don't like to play Scrabble with her, but... Podcast and therapy session. Exactly. <laughs> as a result of um, my, you know, traumatizing <laughs> Scrabble experiences, I am pretty good at... at general word games that are not Scrabble. But it sounds like then, I think this extends to just if you have a partner who uh, isn't into board games, if you have a partner who's less into board games than you, or if you have a partner who's just into different board games, this is why you can have other friends. You can? <laughs> you can you have other friends? I know, it's, it's great, it's great. Oh, man, I plan to just, like, lock us in this house and never leave or interact with anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> that, it was not that funny. You're giving me too much credit. If you, yeah, if you have a partner who's a reluctant gamer, I mean, you can try every now and then to, like, push through a, a light or simple game, and sometimes you will get lucky, but man, don't overdo it. That is going to get annoying for both of you. Yeah. You know, and there have been plenty of times where, like, I've been playing a game... There have been plenty of times where I've been playing a game with Sarah, and we actually just called it, because I was like, look, you're not having fun, and if you're not having fun, I'm not having fun, so this is pointless. Let's just not do it. So basically, you should treat board gaming like consent in a sexual encounter like everyone needs to be on board and okay with every part of the process and you have to check in consistently. yeah you, you want positive consent exactly you you want positive enthusiastic, enthusiastic consent yeah. while you're gaming safe gaming everyone you won't traumatize the other person but you'll piss them off. <laughs> and do that. The, doing that frequently is bad. You don't want to do that. 
Yeah, don't piss off the people you love. No, they won't stick around indefinitely if you do that. Yeah. So... What is your advice to someone who is either with a reluctant gamer with mismatched gaming tastes? As I said, I think it's a lot of compromise. Um, you know, be willing to try something new. I am be not a huge pro- good giving gamer? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's amazing. <laughs> we just coined another phrase. That was, that was some organic shit right there. Giving gamer. I'm pretty proud of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm not a huge board gaming fan, as I mentioned, probably four times now, but I will play a war game with Austin because the best thing about games is they can surprise you. Sometimes you will fall in love with something you didn't expect, mm-hmm. and if I don't give a game a shot, I'm never going to figure out the war games that I will love, that I can play with Austin, that will be that we'll both enjoy, and he does the same for me. He'll sit down and play Anomia with me, even though he hates it, because, uh, you know, it's a little wordier. It's a category game where you say a word in a category as quickly as possible, and mm-hmm. it's not necessarily his strength, and so I always beat him, but he, he humors me every but once in a while. But in humoring you, he did cur- it did turn out, for example, that he likes code names, right? Exactly. So he may never have discovered that that's a particular word-ish, word-ish game. <laughs> a game with enjoys. words. There are words in that there one. There are words in that game. Who designed that game? Vlada. <laughs> I'm just gonna say it. I'm gonna say it in a you know exciting tone of voice every maybe time that, I bring it up. Maybe that should be our thing instead of saying it. <laughs> oh, he's the best, you guys. He's the best. Um, but yeah, just be willing to try new things. Um, talk to your partner. Talk to your husband. Talk to your wife. Try and understand what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, be willing to give things a shot, and if it's not working out, then it's not a reflection on your relationship or the strength of your relationship or the quality of your relationship. Just sometimes people have different tastes, and that's okay. This is so ridiculously like sex advice. It is. (laughs) Yeah. We have not done an episode about sex and board gaming yet. That will have to come up. It will. It will happen at some point. I'm sure of it. Although there's not a lot of sex in board games in general. No, but there have been some interesting attempts to include it. There have also been some nauseatingly, just some disgusting, embarrassing attempts to include it. So Yeah. We'll definitely look forward to that in future episodes. I don't think we can talk about sex and board gaming until we play Monster Hearts. I don't think we can talk about sex and board gaming until we play Consentacle. Oh, oh, (laughs) okay. (laughs) And the Beast. Yes, we do need to try that. Yes. Oh my god, how weird though. Oh, (laughs) I don't even know how I feel about the Beast. Um... That will be a topic for a future episode. Let's go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, Thank you guys again for listening. We really appreciate that 
that some people are listening. <laughs> it's honestly amazing because we just ramble for 40 to 50 minutes. But we hope you enjoy spending time with us. Uh, we'd love to hear back from you. Just drop us a line, leave us a comment, shoot us an email. How can we're, they get in touch with us? We're in so many places. <laughs> we're on so many places. We're on Instagram, as I mentioned. We're on Twitter, at Gaming Real Life. We are also on Facebook, Gaming in Real Life. Uh, gaminginreallifepodcast.com. You can email us, gaminginreallifepodcast at gmail.com. Are you seeing a pattern here? There is a pattern. <laughs> and just, you know, rate us on iTunes, leave us comments, tell your friends. We really want to incorporate more of your feedback and, and make this podcast better because. We have no idea what the fuck we're doing, and we wanted to improve. But by God, we're learning. Exactly. So, I hope that you will be able to play a board game. This would be like a Delilah kind of wrap-up, you know. Did you listen to Delilah? When no, you I never did. My mom loved Delilah. I did not love Delilah, but just hope you all are playing a board game tonight with somebody you love and <laughs> enjoying a glass of wine or hot chocolate and just taking a bubble bath with your meeples. It's <laughs> um, getting weird. I, I will be doing none of that, but... <laughs> anyway, we, we hope that you uh, want you to be happy. <laughs> and on that note... Uh, we wish you good games, good friends, and goodbye. Bye.